Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is about the great resignation, this phenomenon in which millions of people are quitting their jobs. What do you need to know about it? And more importantly, how do you keep great talent in your business? Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Benz, and I run the business Good Advice and uh, also this podcast where we talk about all things related to growing your business. But you heard all of that in the intro already, so I don't want to talk too much about it or repeat what's already been said. But I do want to say, hey, Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thanks for checking out this podcast. There's all sorts of podcasts you could be looking at, all sorts of things you could be listening to. And so I appreciate you being part of the Good Advice Tribe, part of the Good Advice Journey as we talk about, yeah, how to make more money in your business, how to grow your business, and how to ultimately do business better. That's the whole point of the podcast. That's why I started the podcast. So if you're a first-time listener, if you've been listening long-term, uh, regardless of your experience with the podcast, once again, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to sit down and listen to this podcast. So a couple of things, by the way, that are happening with the podcast. Uh, we are booking guests for 2022. So this episode right now is being recorded uh, early November uh, November 1st, actually, uh, we've actually already booked out all of our guests. Uh, we've actually already recorded all of our guests for the rest of the year. And uh, I'm looking for great guests for 2022. So the podcast fortunately has gotten to the point where I don't have to hound people and, uh, you know, harass people to join me on the show. Uh, now I have so many people who've come on the show and who want to come on the show that uh, it's fun to, I guess, not be desperate. Right. You know, it feels like things are going better when you're not desperately asking people to give you uh, some of their time. But uh, yeah, I'm looking for great guests. So if you know a great guest, more importantly, if you've been listening to the show and you run a business or you have a unique perspective on business, I'd love to have you on. Uh, that is literally the only requirements to join me on the show. So if you think you got a great story, you got a great perspective, please, please, please do not uh, sell yourself short in thinking that you don't belong to come on a podcast. Uh, I would love to have you on. I would love to have you join me in 2022 as we prepare for our next year of awesome podcast episodes. The podcast, by the way, is continuing to grow. It's continuing to be a pretty awesome source for people who are looking for perspective on their business. Uh, I looked the other day, we have, uh, we've been listened to in over 50 different countries, which is pretty wild to me. Uh, 50 countries of good advice, I guess. So, and then I joked, I was on a, uh, I was doing a speaking gig the other day. I joked how we were like, there was a few months that we were like number nine for all podcasts in Ireland. So apparently the Irish really like this podcast or they did for a couple of random months, I guess. I don't know. 
But uh, a couple other things that are changing with the podcast. We typically do a couple of guest episodes a week, and then I jump on the microphone, usually at the back half of the week. Uh, I've just gotten way too busy to do that. And so now, for those of you who, especially if you've listened to the podcast long term, if you have been um, hankering for some more Blake Benz in your life, where I'm not sitting down talking to someone on the show, but just hearing more of my perspective on business, those episodes are going to start coming out earlier in the week rather than later in the week. And uh, we'll be slotting in a guest episode for that solo episode that typically happens later in the week. Uh, and if you prefer, if you prefer the solo episode later in the week, well, you can just listen to these episodes and then just pretend like it's Friday um, or just only listen to it on a Saturday or what have you. So this works better for my schedule. And so this is what I will continue to do. And uh, the other thing I'll say, one last quick advertisement is if you are running a business, you're growing a business and you need help with your business. That's what good advice is all about. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. I've had people who've listened to the podcast, who get the newsletters on a weekly basis and who reach out and say, Blake, I need help with this one aspect. What do you think about it? Uh, I'm an open book. I'm always willing to help, always willing to give an extra hand. And uh, really what you see is what you get. So if you like the podcast, there's really not much different on a, on a day-to-day conversation. So anyway, I want to talk today about something that it is been a bit of a majority of the conversations I've had lately. And it's something, it's something I talked about in one of my last episodes. I put an episode out, I think a couple of weeks ago on the reasons people quit. And it feels like this is becoming the majority of the conversation today. It's a topic I'm really passionate about. If you don't know my story, I worked in a high school. Uh, This still is so strange to me, but 10 years ago, I was a high school teacher which blows my mind because I, I, it's my birthday coming up and I was telling my wife, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like, I still feel like I'm young, but I guess I'm getting older. I don't know. I mean, 10 years ago, I, I remember telling people like, yeah, 10 years ago, I was in high school. Well, now 10 years ago, I was a high school teacher and it was a great experience in the sense of it was extremely formative for me. Um, it was, it really painted my perspective on um, our public education system and our roles as citizens in helping, you know, collaboratively build a society where everyone has an opportunity, equal opportunity. And none of these are intended by the way, to be politically charged words. It feels like today people are so political that like, even like a casual statement I make, maybe I'm in like the wrong circles. Cause probably half of you listening were like, I didn't think anything political of that, but, uh, Anyway, I, I've just, it, it's, it was incredibly formative for me. Students were amazing. I mean, I loved my kids. They were awesome, great kids. And despite all of that, I had pretty bad bosses. Bosses were not great. I had a couple of really great bosses, actually. I had one in particular who she was uh, absolutely amazing. If I knew where to find her today, I would call her and tell her, hey, out of everyone being awful bosses, you were a great boss. Thank you. But despite that, I had pretty awful bosses, and it's actually what caused me to move up back into Arkansas, which is where I live, to pursue my doctoral degree, basically in the education setting, because I didn't want anyone to have to work in a school that I worked in and have that same experience. Now, obviously, I'm doing something totally different. It's years later, totally doing something. It's not anywhere at all related to um, you know, the public education field. But 
ever since then, I've been extremely passionate about leadership, about management, you know, how do you take care of your people? In fact, if you knew my whole story, this was something that I've been passionate about even before I was a high school teacher. Uh, I was very fortunate in my summer job working at a summer camp to work for a boss who was also passionate about leadership. And he would often in our staff meetings would share different uh, you could call them life lessons. They weren't even really life lessons. They were they were related to the job. They were incredibly tangible to the job. But like, let's say, for example, you have a point of tension with someone else on staff. Well, my boss would in these staff meetings, he'd say, hey, let's talk about like, what does collaborative communication look like? Like, how do we navigate this in an effective way? And he was so gifted at delivering these insights in such a tangible, short format. You know, it wasn't like a four-hour seminar. It was like, hey, this is this is how we should think about this. And it was always very tangible and practical. And I, I probably in a way, it's probably why this is why I do business now in the same way. Like when I'm working with someone, I'm working with a customer, a lot of our conversations are very practically based. They are very conversationally based. On like, okay, what's what's the actual tangible thing you now need to go do? We don't do a lot of conversations on like, yeah, let's talk about my favorite theory of management or like, let's go back and look at, you know, what was uh, published 30 years ago. Let's talk about this book together. It's no, like here is the problem. Let's talk about the actual tangible solution that we need to implement to help your business get back on the right page. So it's probably comes back from this history of um, what was shown to me, and it's probably why I do that, do business that way now. So anyway, I've, I've been passionate about leadership for a long time. I've been talking about leadership for a long time. Uh, I was actually an executive coach at a local consulting consulting company and a facilitator where I'd get together with these larger businesses and we talk about these leadership concepts. And ever since then, I, I've continued to be passionate about it. Uh, many of my best customers, that's the kind of work I'm doing with them now. It's around leadership and management. And it's been incredibly interesting to see what's been happening over the last four, five, six months. If you've been paying attention, if you've been seeing the news, maybe you're not even seeing the news and we're just kind of casually you know, noticing things as you drive by, but take, for example, you jump in your car. Sorry, I have this uh, cup of coffee here that I'm, I'm trying to get sips in <laughs> between my, that's the negative of not having another guest on the show is I have to find ways to sip my delicious Onyx coffee. Um, man, it's good. But uh, imagine you're driving down the road and just a busy street, you know, maybe a road that you typically drive down and you're driving past some of your favorite restaurants or stores or what have you. And you know, like the marquee that's outside of the store that you drive by? Well, in today's day and age, what are you most likely to see on that marquee? You, know, you drive by McDonald's or a Taco Bell or any number of stores. What you're likely to see is are, are the two simple words, now hiring. You know, you're, you're likely to see now hiring, or you might even see um, signing bonus, you might even see um, something about flexible work hours. If it's a business that's not like a service-based business in the sense of like you have to go serve food, you might even see something like hybrid work environments, work from home, all sorts of these buzzwords that are pretty sexy for the job seeker. 
in the sense of like, ooh, I really want that. I wanted that for a long time. And it's interesting how today's dynamic has really changed. Uh, the phrase that I've seen thrown around, especially lately, has been the great resignation. And you may not be familiar with this term, or maybe you are living it out yourself. Maybe you yourself have resigned from a job that you worked in over the last however many years. And for good reasons or not so great reasons, you decided, you know what? Um, I don't say your reasons were bad, uh, but maybe you're leaving and on good terms or not great terms. And for whatever reason, you're moving on to another business. What's interesting, and I, I want to kind of parse this out from where this whole conversation really started. So COVID, well, I'll say two things. Uh, COVID happened, quote, happened. COVID got kind of crazy on March 12th, maybe, maybe March 13th of uh, 2020. And on this day, this is around the time when you know, businesses started shutting down, you know, the, you go to the grocery store, you can't find toilet paper. <laughs> uh, I remember I went to the, my wife had just delivered our baby and I went to the grocery store and they had the the toilet paper out and they had the one per customer or whatever. And I didn't see the sign. So I grabbed two and I was going to the checkout and the employee says, uh, you can only take one of those. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, and I didn't want to be rude. So I was like, well, I'll take it back. And the woman was like, no, no, I'll, I'll take it back. Like, I, I think maybe she thought I was going to try to sneak out with, <laughs> with the second one. I'm not sure. But, you know, things got a bit wild, a bit crazy. A few days before that, I was presenting to a couple of different businesses, actually. But it was on innovating the workplace, basically. And one of the things that's always been interesting to me is I like to follow just, just large initiatives that get rolled out within businesses just to see like, how does it pan out? So like one example of this would be Dan Price's company, Gravity Payments, where he cut his salary substantially so that every person would have a starting salary of $70,000. Very bold move. You can read about this, by the way. And when it happened, there was a lot of curiosity around, can this business continue to exist paying so much overhead in the form of wages to their employees? And so I've been following his company and uh, saw the latest up update was that their revenue had doubled or tripled or something astronomical. They're doing very well for themselves. Well, another example of this would be Yahoo. Yahoo had a CEO who, and this would have been years ago, by the way, probably about 10 years ago. Yahoo had a CEO who basically um, stepped into her CEO role. And one of the first things that she did was she eliminated all work from home within the business. So Yahoo, it's an online business. Um, I'm not even sure what you would refer to them as, an online search engine business, I guess. Uh, I guess at this point nowadays, you know, these search engines aren't just search engines. They're actually quite a bit diverse. I mean, think about Google, for example. Google has email, it has calendar, it has all these different things. But so Yahoo... Uh, the CEO comes in, they say, I'm going to get rid of re remote work completely. Can't work from home anymore. You got to come into the office. You know, it's, it's, that's how we build camaraderie. It's how we build culture. And part of this, you know, not to sound cynical, but part of this is uh, you, you have to know that some of this is a bit of a PR spin, right? Is that it, it feels bad to say our revenue isn't where we want it to be. So we're going to get everyone in the office where we can see them and manage them better. 
that feels a bit, um, not even just big brother esque. It feels a bit, it just feels bad. Right. So instead, what a lot of businesses will say is we really value our culture. We want to continue to build camaraderie. We want to yada, yada, yada. And by the way, if, if a company says this, I'm not saying every company that says it is being nefarious or what have you, but it, it is a bit of a PR spin oftentimes. So the CEO says this and they're, they eliminate all work from home, whatever. Well, she lasted on the job for maybe three or four years. I can't remember, honestly. She didn't make it though. And once she left, they gave back remote work opportunities. And at the time when I was right before COVID, when I was presenting on this, hang on, coffee sip. At the time when I was presenting on this, I was talking, the whole point of the conversation was on innovating your business, regardless of whatever industry you're in. And a lot of times when we talk about innovating, we think of it as um, the latest, greatest technology rather than understanding there are ways to further design your business to be more approachable to customers, for customers to, uh, for it to be more accessible to customers. And there's ways to innovate it where your employees even can be more effective and happy. So like when I think of innovation, I think about using tools like Slack to have a team meeting or using a tool like Zoom to have a team meeting rather than an in-person meeting and it's still being just as effective as it may have been uh, without those kinds of tools when you're actually meeting in person. These are businesses that are innovating and figuring out how do we use technology to our advantage? How do we be a 2020 company or 2021 company? So I was giving examples. I was talking about businesses that were unwilling to change. And one of the things I talked about was Blockbuster and they had a, a and this is part of the way the business was designed, but they had a late fee model that accounted for a sizable portion of their revenue. Couldn't get rid of fees. It was pretty much impossible to get rid of fees. And yet you have a competitor like Netflix where there are no fees that now suddenly is stealing a large portion of your um, user base of your customers. And so we're talking about this conversation of like, okay, how do you innovate? How do you be more innovative? And this is totally before COVID, right? I mean, this is like three or four days before COVID. And I'm just talking about like work from home. I'm saying, yeah, I mean, companies that are going to do well in 2020 and 2021 are the ones who are going to be open to remote from working from home, remote opportunities in the business. Those are the ones that are going to do really well. And one of the reasons I had I, I was talking about this was not only had, had I been following Yahoo, but I had been following another business called GitHub, which is a, um, it's not necessarily a programming website, but it is a, um, it's a database almost where people can compile code and share code and work on things together. And it, it basically had recently been sold at the time that I was presenting on this. It had been sold to Microsoft for like a billion dollars. So you have this business that became incredibly successful. Well, the funny detail about it was that the team was entirely remote, entirely remote. And around the same time, I'd also talked to another team that had just been bought. Uh, I mean, the owners got incredibly rich being bought by another larger business and their team was also entirely remote. So I had these two data points of entirely remote companies 
entirely remote businesses. And then this company in the form of Yahoo, where they're getting rid of remote work entirely. And the singular thread that I kept running over in my head was, if we're going to be a successful business into the future, we have to be willing to rethink what effective work looks like. So bringing this back to the conversation I was having with these businesses, COVID hits, right? Uh, one company called me back and said, can you come back and present again? Um, and I had someone else who was like, wow, you really like saw this coming, which <laughs> I'm not the Illuminati. I did. I did not see this coming. It was very coincidental actually. Uh, and ironically did really well for me, um, early on in COVID when people were like, Hey, you're the guy who was talking about remote work. And it was like, yeah, I made some random comment about it, but whenever COVID was starting, I had people reaching out asking about culture. You know, our, our employees are scared. They're worried. They're stressed out. How do I build culture? And I was, I'll be honest, I was very direct with, with some of these questions where I was saying things like, well, the, the time to have built culture would have been 18 months ago because now that you're going through this really hard time, you can rely on that culture to get you through it rather than trying to fast track or band-aid your culture together which anyone who's invested in their culture, they'll tell you firsthand that it is grueling, excruciating, and extremely time-consuming to build the kind of work environment where people can flourish. There is no, there's no, um, I used to joke, there's no ropes course that's going to make your team high-performing. And I, I would joke about that because at my old business, we would do ropes course, we would do team events, and I'd have people who would come who would have incredibly toxic teams. And they'd be like, yeah, you know, we went bowling together. Like now we are, which we didn't offer bowling. I'm not, I'm not sure why I'm giving that example, but you know, we went bowling together. We did hatchet throwing together and like, we must be a great team now go us. And it's like, no, like the same toxicity is there. The same frustrations are there. Um, and frankly, probably the bad leaders are still there. But so having this conversation with people at the start of COVID, I said, you know, you, I, I began saying on social media and one-to-one -one with people, Hey, be really mindful of how you treat your employees right now, because once everything is said and done, they're going to remember, they're going to remember what it was like to work for you during an incredibly high stress time. And part of this reminded me of, I can't remember if it was like Nintendo or um, some Japanese company where the country as a whole was doing very poorly. And so the entire executive team basically cut all of their own salaries so that the employees wouldn't lose any money. You saw some of this happening during COVID, but that's always resonated with me as like, yeah, that's the price of leadership is, you know, when we talk about buckling our belts, you know, we, we lead the way rather than, um, going to our lowest paid employees and saying, yeah, Hey, you're the lowest on the, on the, uh, totem pole. Like you're the ones who are going to suffer the most, which again, no one says that. And yet that typically is what ends up happening. So all this to say. I was encouraging businesses at the time of COVID, hey, really invest in your employees. I know you're panicked about where's your next customer going to come from, what's this going to look like for you, but I'm telling you, take care of your people. And some of my customers really resonated with this. Uh, they began to roll out bonus systems where there wasn't any kind of bonus structure in, plan, in place before that. Uh, some of them began investing in coaching and support for their employees and some people just really ran with this idea. Other ones did kind of what HR functions do often, which is 
um, not to sound cynical, but empty promises and, you know, thanks so much for giving back to this company and going the extra mile. I mean, it's just, it's, it's empty compliments, frankly. I mean, it's, it's what many HR businesses, businesses do, what many HR functions and businesses do is they're like the cheerleader who says, rah, rah, keep going. Great job. But there is no Jerry Maguire-esque show me the money. Like, I really appreciate you kind of action that's actually taking place. And so those businesses, I think, were really in for a tough realization as COVID began to peter out. And this whole great resignation began to start. You had people who suddenly were saying, I don't want to go back to that job. That job sucked. I want to go somewhere else. And you had other businesses that that now they had that now that they had a taste of remote work, <coughs> excuse me. Now that they had a taste of remote work, they were like, hey, we can actually make this work. We're going to keep hiring for remote opportunities. And so now the person who's doing a two-hour commute is thinking to themselves, why would I want to commute two hours when I can find that remote job and work literally from home in my pajamas? And I make that I make that a bit as a joke, only because some people have been extremely harsh to the job seeker community as being entitled, as being um, self serving. You know, they just want to be in their pajamas all day. And you know, here I am making that same joke. But if that's your thinking, I can't help but tell you 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 could not be more wrong. The Great Resignation is not a movement based around selfishness. It's not based around people collecting unemployment benefits and just wanting to be freeloaders. It is very frankly, people who have been exploited and abused by their corporate overseers. They've been exploited by their bosses and they've had enough of it. That is simply what the great resignation resignation is. It is people who are realizing I can get a better job and I will get a better job if I choose to leave this job and look elsewhere. There was a study put out probably about six or seven years ago that talked about how people who leave, who leave their job on a basis of every two to three years over the course of their career will make approximately 50% more money than someone who stays in their job long term. And the simple fact is that loyalty isn't valued today. Loyalty is is valued as much as what what is what will it cost me to keep me from having to refill this position. But there's no sense of loyalty in the sense of like this specific person has worked for me. You know, they've they've given extra to me. They've shown up, they're consistent, they're a great employee, yada yada. And I'm making very you know, general claims. Some people are doing this really well. I mean, like when we talk about the great resignation, the businesses who are handling their employees well, they're probably thinking, what what resignation? Like what's going on? It's the ones that aren't doing well that are feeling the weight of this. And here's what's interesting to me is we are seeing businesses now, many national brands who have totally catapulted their starting wages. You know, why is it that whenever we talk about wages, minimum salary, uh, excuse me, minimum wage, all this stuff. I mean, people get their feathers so ruffled 
And yet the market has shown us that when people are not willing to work for you, it takes actually paying them a living wage to convince them, yeah, this is a job worth having. And I think people are sick of not just the exploitation part of it, but they've begun to realize their own personal worth. I don't know if everyone has has naturally realized that. I think in many cases, it's like the narrative has been like, yeah, go get a job you hate and you work it for 40 hours or 50 hours or 60 hours a week. And then suddenly you get put into a job where, you know, maybe you're exposed to COVID by one of your coworkers or in one of the situations I had a employee who was really frustrated at his boss because someone came to work who was, who had COVID and it was a small work uh, environment. And this employee said, Hey, I don't feel comfortable being here. Like, can I go home for like a day or two just and like work from home just to make sure that like, I'm not sick. And the boss said, no, no, everyone has to be here. Like this person, yes, came to work, has COVID. Yes, we are, we are all in one room, but they're gone. They're gone now. They're home now. Like everything's fine. Well, the problem with this is now this employee is realizing, okay, actually you don't value me. You just value the bottom line contribution to your revenue. And that doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore to find people who are going to build your dream for you. What works today is people who you are collaboratively willing to partner with and say, yep, I'm still going to take on a large portion of the risk. Yes, you are going to give me some of your time and, and you know effort and all of this. And collaboratively, collaboratively, we are going to build this together. I'm going to pay you what you're worth. You're going to pay me in your time and effort. And like, this is a give and a take. And I think for some people, that's like total insanity. It's like, well, why? Like, why? You know, I think some people are still stuck in the past with like, you know, my employees should be grateful that they have a job for me. Doesn't work anymore. Sorry. So what's been interesting for me is how many people I've talked to just over the last few months who have been in their industry, they've been in their job for years, who are now quitting. And I don't mean like random one-offs. I mean like one after the the other of like executive people, C-suite executives who are literally leaving their amazing job and in some cases leaving their industry entirely I'm talking hotel managers, I'm talking COOs, CEOs, director of sales. They're quitting because they aren't getting their needs met in their job. And it's 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 a reflection on what we as business owners how we have mishandled our our employees. One of the things I've talked about recently is we have to stop taking this conversation of retention and making it like the lowest cost game. Like what's the least I can do? Like how many pizza parties do I have to throw? And we have to start making it an intentional piece of my internal strategy to stay competitive in my in my industry. Ret- retaining talent has to be a an intentional competitive component of your strategy if you intend to do well in the market today. That means it's not about checking with HR and saying, yeah, like how many people quit? What do we need to fill? Is anybody suing us? You know, all that stuff. And instead, just like you would have an intentional strategy around getting more customers. Okay. What let's think about, you know, what are the, what are the play, who are the players on our team and how are we doing right, right by them? How are we doing well with them? What do we need to do different? 
who needs a promotion? You know, who's been with us for five years and okay, here's this one employee who they told us we had a conversation, you know, where do you want to go long-term? And they said, I want to get into an executive role. Like this is where I see my career going. Okay. What have we done with that person? In many cases, we don't have these conversations. And instead, the only individuality that we have in terms of like our staff is like the annual review scores that goes in the personnel file. Oh, so that person scored a 4.6. That's Blake. He's a 4.6 in our business. But you have no insight as to where even they lived before they came here, what their job was, what they've done, what their long-term goals are. You have no clue because... Ultimately, they're a body, they're a cog in the machine to fuel whatever it is you want to see the business do. It doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't. And like I mentioned earlier, some of you listening, you're not even having this problem. You understand how to retain talent. Other ones of you, you are having a tough time for this. And it, it needs to be a wake-up call to change how you do business. You have to change how you do business. I was talking to someone And it's interesting seeing stories like this, but you have to understand one simple truth. If more people quit your business than stay, it's your fault. If more people are leaving your company than the ones who are staying and are happy and fulfilled and contributing to whatever the mission of the business is, it's your fault. You have designed a business that people don't want to work in. That is the bottom line, simple answer. It's not because they're entitled. It's not because they're selfish. It's not because they're millennials. (laughs) I I hear that one all the time. You know, millennials. It's not because of the certain generation that they're part of. It's not because of who's president of the United States. The simple fact is that if your people are quitting, it's your fault. That, That is just it. And I've seen people struggle with this concept, frankly. I had someone who was uh, sort of bemoaning all of the money they had spent on advertising for hiring. They said, we've spent $15,000 in in the last month alone on ads for hiring new employees and nobody stays. And it's like, well, I mean, did you think the advertisement was going to suddenly now build the five-year investment you want from your employee? No, It, it starts from that very first conversation, that very first hiring conversation from the first interview to onboarding them, to what does it actually feel like to work here? It's culture. I had someone else who, I I just literally read a story the other day of a guy who's quitting because his company charges 50 cents to use the Keurig cups. So every cup is 50 cents. And instead of wanting to spend that, the employee decided I'm going to bring my own Keurig cups from home because it has better flavors that I really like. So the employees bring, uh, you know, his, he brings his Keurig cups and his manager's walking by and says, well, what are you doing? What are those? Where'd you get those? And he says, oh, they're mine. And the employee said, or the manager says, well, you can't do that. <laughs> you, you can't do that. You are stealing company property. And he said, well, what do you mean I'm stealing company property? I, they're my, I mean, I didn't, I, I could have paid the 50 cents for your Keurig cups, so I'm just not even going to use those. I'm going to, I'm just going to bring mine. And she says, no, you're, you're stealing company water. You're stealing the water that's in the coffee, in the Keurig maker, the coffee maker. And he thinks she's joking. He's like, are you kidding me? And she's like, no, like you need to stop or I'm going to write you up for stealing company property where we may even terminate you. And like these kinds of stories that sound totally insane, 
you'd be surprised how often they're happening on a day-to-day basis. I've talked about some of them on the show before, real stories, real conversations that all it does is it reaffirms why my work is so important is helping bad bosses no longer be bad bosses anymore. But this is what people are going through. And so frankly, some people have had enough. They've had enough of this work environment that is abusing them and exploiting them. And for other people, for bosses out there who've always done business a certain way, it's time to wake up. It's time to think of business a new way and be more innovative in your approach. Not only does that mean being strategic in how you retain talent, it's also going to cost you. And that may not feel good to hear about, but if you want great talent to stay with you, you have to pay them what they're worth. And that doesn't just mean like, yes, I, I, I paid them a paycheck. It may mean more than that. It may mean covering their health care. It may mean uh, time off. It may mean um, a profit sharing plan. These are things that, you know, you should sit down with your employees and see what, what the, is important to them. But get out of the mentality of like paying a bill. You know, like when you pay a bill, it's like, okay, I paid it. I'm done now for the next month. You know, like the Netflix bill comes in. And it's like, okay, that's out. That's done. Your employees, you can't approach it that way. It can't be, okay, I paid payroll. I'm done. It's how am I investing in them according to the efforts that they're doing for my business? So it's a weird time. It really is. It's a weird time. But the sooner you can get with the program in terms of innovating how you approach management and leadership, the better you can avoid the pain of this great resignation that we're in right now. Simply take care of your people, take care of them and take responsibility if no one wants to work for you. One last story. I was reading a uh, story of a woman who was complaining about someone who had quit her job recently, quit working for her and said, this is the sixth person in the last month to do this to me. And was sort of complaining about how workers today, you know, workers today. And I remember thinking to myself, if you've had six people quit in the last month, it's probably not them. It's probably you. So as you think about your business and where it's going and how well it's doing or how well it's not doing, always remember it's worth it to take a few extra minutes to look into the mirror and think about what am I doing to position my business in a better place. And Hey, here's your, here's your friendly advertisement. If you want some extra help with that, you know, you're not sure what you need to change. You can always give me a call, continue to check out the podcast, or you can send me an email, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. That's today's episode. And for those of you who've quit your job, Hey, I hope you find a better job that pays you so much more money. I hope they make you filthy rich And uh, I hope you live a happier, healthier, stress-free life. Once again, thanks for listening to the podcast, and I'll catch you later. That's today's good advice. Don't forget, you can support the podcast at our Patreon, patreon.com slash good advice. We'll catch you next week. See ya.